All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for hopping into another episode of Double B Creates. Today, you have Brad and Kevin talking to Paul Dangerfield. Now, Paul is the founder of Pursuit Fitness Academy, and he's probably one of the most knowledgeable people that I know in the health and fitness and nutrition world. So anyway, thank you so much for hopping on with us, Paul. I, I appreciate it, and I'm glad to talk to you today. Hey, thank you for the compliment, man. Seriously, that's uh, I take that compliment very seriously, so. Thank you. I don't just give them out. It's true. I, uh, I've been around the world when it comes to people with uh, backgrounds in health and fitness and personal training and stuff. And it's, I'd say 90% of them are just bullshit, to be honest. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I really appreciate what you do. And I, I feel like uh, we, we definitely resonate with each other. So Thanks, I love man. following you and getting the, the information from you as much as I can. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting. You said 90% of people are full of crap. You know, they don't know as much as they think they know. And that's fine. When I came into it, I didn't, I didn't start teaching people about this stuff until I had a really good grasp of what worked for me. And then I've always, I mean, every year I get better at doing this stuff and I'll know more in the next five years than I know right now. But I didn't start really doing this stuff at a big scale until I had my feet under me and I only ever taught what I knew to be true and accurate and all that. Um, I think that helps me gain credibility. You know, I think that helps me stay true, not just to myself, but to others. Cause as soon as you ask me something that I don't know about, I'll tell you, I don't know. Um, I think most people don't want to ever admit that, but I'm very ready to. I like it. Um, when you're talking to, I played hockey my whole life and then uh, got into mixed martial arts. We were talking about Brazilian jiu-jitsu a minute ago. Yeah. So I, I trained MMA for a while and um, kind of got out of everything in my early 20s and just kind of got an office job and kind of really went off the rails as far as my, my fitness and stuff. Um, I'll let Brad tell his story a little bit more, but he is a power lifter and his wife's an Olympic lifter. So we've all kind of been in the fitness industry in uh, some capacity. Yeah. Yeah. So my entire family power lifts. Um, my mom has two world records in her age and weight class. Um, my little sister can deadlift double her body weight. And I think she's 140. Um, and she's trying to go to 303 in the deadlift. My brother power lifts. Um, I call him fat. He calls it a power gut. But <laughs> that's a different story. Um, my dad power lifts. He's, I believe he's got a world record in his age and weight class. Um, I've won worlds um, once. My mom's won it a bunch of times. My sister won a bunch of times, uh, but I also competed in track and field um, in the throwing events, um, as did my wife. Um, and nutrition was a huge thing for me because I didn't know anything about supplements. And so, yeah. you know, just decided to eat more and try to find out what I needed and then tried to find the food that I needed to eat. Um, and then when I got away from eat a ton of food you can eat a good proportion and then you can help with supplements 
Yeah. Man, the powerlifting, like, I'm just going to speak to the powerlifting stuff because you've got such a background in that. Like, you've got one of the deepest backgrounds in powerlifting of anybody I've ever spoke to. Uh, and that's cool. Like, it's a cool familial thing to have. But nutrition and powerlifting, they are very important together, obviously, because it's the fuel for all those lifts. But I don't feel like a lot of powerlifters take it very seriously outside of what you said, which is just eat a ton of food. They don't think about like what kind of foods, how much of each, you know, macronutrient. I always talk about macronutrients because that's really the fuel of the food. Micronutrients are great. You need them, but macros are the fuel part. So they don't think about well, how many carbs am I taking in? How much fat am I taking in? Is it the right amount for me? And all they care about is, do I get enough protein and do I get enough calories? And while that leads to decent performance, that power gut is way too common, way too common. Um, and I'm sure you know, you know all about that. Oh, yeah. I, I used to have one. Um, and there was a time... I was eating 9,000 to 10,000 calories a day and yeah, don't get me wrong. If you know, like you're competing, you know, professionally or you're trying to get into worlds every year, like do it, but make sure you're doing it correctly. Cause I wasn't, yeah. I was just getting 10,000 calories in knowing that I needed, you know, my basic things and here we go. <laughs> yeah. But, um, like my buddy tractor Baptist, um, last week maybe this week um he just broke uh the world record in the squat at 1311 pounds and he is a big boy but he's like you know i my wife's a nurse and she knows how to feed me and i know how to cook the meat so i cook the meat she gets me the vegetables and everything else i need and there we go yeah absolutely somebody that i always like to look at in terms of truly understanding nutrition while going for maximal strength is Brian Shaw. And I think a lot of people would be like, well, you know, I've seen his diet. He doesn't eat super healthy. And listen, you can make whatever decisions about food choice you want, but clearly this man knows what works for him because he eats the same stuff day in and day out. But one thing I'll just quickly talk about is like, he eats a ton of pasta, right? Pasta is like his jam. Now, people hear that and they think, man, pasta is unhealthy. And that's not true. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to, that's probably, you know, people listening to this are probably going to be like, this guy's nuts. He don't know what he's talking about. Most of people, most of the population, when they eat pasta, they don't just eat noodles. They don't eat noodles and meat. They eat some form of noodle with like Alfredo sauce, with a bunch of cheese, with whatever. And it's like, there's this extra calories that's coming from the, the fat and the cheese, the fat and the sauce that's unnecessary. But if you just think pasta, you're talking about an extremely concentrated form of carbs. So he can eat 300 carbs in a sitting and it doesn't bloat him. Then he can go perform. That's, that's proper nutrition. Eat so much that it fuels you and allows you to perform. And that's where people get mixed up. It's like people going, oh, I'm eating healthy. I'm eating a salad. They yeah. pick up How many cups of ranch do you they got? They pork on? it and they pick up the yeah. lettuce and it's dripping 
I'm like, mm. <laughs> yeah, it's man, salad dressing. That is like the bane of my existence because <laughs> people just don't get it. They just don't. Now, do I think salad dressing is always bad? Heck no. Me and my wife buy these like salad kit things that come with a prepackaged amount mm-hmm. of salad dressing. You mix the whole thing up. You know how much a serving is. It's too easy, right? The problem is buying that big bottle of dressing, making your own salad, and then just taking that bottle and squeezing to your heart's content. You know, that's that's where it gets bad. Um, but yeah, I don't eat salad either. That's another thing I'll just throw out there. Like I, if you look at my day over the course of two months, maybe I ate salad once, maybe. The salad kits are mainly for my wife. Even with those salad kits, uh, that's too much for me. I, I tend to use about half of the. Oh, if you eat the whole thing. That's the packet that's in there. If like, yeah. it's half. My wife and I used the whole to go thing, it's She'd be like, why do you eat your salad so dry? I'm like, it's not dry. <laughs> Just need enough for taste. That's it. Yeah. Enough for taste and then you're good. Just enough venom that you can get yeah. the flavor. Exactly. Yeah, I think the other thing, um, like, you know, my wife, she's been struggling recently because we had to put our dog down. Um, and, you know, she's like, I've been eating everything. I've been doing this and I've been doing that. I go, depression's a thing. She goes, well, I don't feel depressed. I go, not everybody does. Yeah. You know, it's a comfort food, you know. I, I have a lot of those. Yeah. And I, I think it, it's not only what you eat, but like, I'm terrible at proportions. Yeah. Fill my plate and I will empty that plate. Yeah. Like, well, why don't you get the two servings? Cause, uh, I'm hungry. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, or like, you know, I make a box of Mac and cheese. It's three servings. Yeah, I eat the entire box. Easy to count. Easy yeah, to you know, <laughs> right. And my wife's like, "You need to count the servings." I go, "I do." It's for me, <laughs> the yeah. entire box. <laughs> the, and, the box is a serving. Yeah, and it's. I've been trying to do that more recently. I'm still failing incredibly bad at it, um, but. As of late, I've been challenging my wife because she wants me to, you know, get more vegetables in because I only like three vegetables. And so I only yeah. eat those three vegetables and they have seasons. And so for 50% of the year, they're not in stores, so I don't eat them. Right. And it's, I don't know, it's something that I see is better because I finally got back into the gym and seeing what I'm eating to how I'm performing again in the gym um, is kind of cool to see the changes in eating I'm doing. Yeah. Um, Something I'll throw out to you since you say you hate vegetables. I'm a self-proclaimed vegetable hater too. Um, (laughs) But however, there is a vegetable that I can always pick up, always eat, and it's always good. And it's Brussels sprouts. I don't know if that's one. Broccoli for me. Uh, listen, broccoli's fine, but do you have like a smoker or something? I do. Meat on? Okay. So if you, if you smoke meat, then you've got everything you need to make Brussels sprouts really, really well. So 
take your Brussels sprouts and boil them first. Kind of like, I think people call it blanching or whatever. Yeah. Um, kind of cook it first in there, then move them over to some tin foil and put that little package of Brussels sprouts on the smoker. Doesn't take long, cook it, you know, alongside whatever meat you're having, uh, salt and pepper, maybe a touch of olive oil on it. And I'm telling you, man, it is a totally different experience. It's the best thing in the world. I will have to try that and let you know. Yeah, you'll love it. I'm, I'm going to try it, but I absolutely hate Brussels sprouts. <laughs> you can do another way um, without a smoker. You can use your oven. Same process, blanch, and then uh, instead of putting it in tin foil, you smash them so that the leaves separate. Then you put uh, sriracha. You kind of want to mix this up ahead of time. Sriracha, soy sauce, and... Um, Oh gosh, my mom makes this one. So I don't remember all the ingredients, but essentially it's this like kind of spicy version, throw it in the oven on like 350 and let it crisp up, do the same thing, man. I'm telling you, Brussels sprouts are, they're highly underrated. Well, I will have to try that. I I've done that with, with broccoli and with uh, asparagus and no, no, sir. No asparagus here. Can't oh, do man. it. I love asparagus. <laughs> you either love I, it or hate it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is. It is one of those love and hates. Um, the best asparagus comes pickled. Ew. That just sounds gross. That does. That is. <laughs> listen, you got both sides here. I hate it. He loves it. And we both think pickled sounds. Bad. Yeah. We, we both agree that it's not that fun. <laughs> that ain't the move. Not for yeah. Me. <laughs> so, like, me and my wife uh we're talking yesterday because we're getting some more protein powder um because i i make some like uh peanut butter protein balls yeah you know something for like a snack if i'm sitting at the computer editing a video or something instead of eating chips all day you know i'll eat two or three of those protein bars and my wife always gets mad because i buy i buy fairly expensive protein powder because you know, I like to look at the label and see what fillers they put in. And she's like, why do you spend so much time looking at that? I go, because if you look at how much fat and how much extra things they put in there to fill it, yeah, you may get 25 grams of protein, but you're going to have a hundred grams of fat at the end of your drink. You're going to have, you know, 300 grams of carbs, you know, like it, I'm not looking for carbs. I'm looking for protein, you know? Yeah. They're, um, gosh, what is the, there's one of those meal replacements that's always marketed at old people, right? It's kind of like, I think of boost, but there's another company. That oh, makes it. I know what you're talking about. Insure. Um, I think it's yeah. insure. Yeah. Yeah. Insure. So they always pitch like high protein, high protein, high protein. And I believe I've not looked at it in a while. So I'm just going to qualify and say, I believe it's eight grams of protein per serving and it's like 30 grams of sugar with it. So it's like, are you having protein or are you drinking diabetes? Cause at that age, <laughs> if you're not eating anything else and that's like, you know, it's just straight sugar and a touch of protein. And that happens. People don't talk about this, but like, I know somebody that's in their nineties right now. And one of the things that happens when you're close to the end of your life is you stop eating, you stop drinking, your body just naturally is like, Hey, we don't, 
we don't need that stuff anymore because we're shutting down. And that's why insure and stuff like that is marketed so heavily at people that are older. But again, what's happening to them by just getting that to stay kicking, you know, tons of other health risks. So yeah, it, it's bad. It can get bad, I should say. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, through all of the, I mean, I've spent a lot of money on, on supplements throughout the years and I don't even want to think about how much, cause it just makes me sick. But, um, I, I'm one that delves into the company too. It's like, I, right now I only buy from Ronnie Coleman supplements and good man. And you know, yeah, you know, everybody's like, oh, you just like him for his bodybuilding. Well, yeah, but he also has a really clean product. Like, we'll do first form. Well, I'm not spending $90 for five, five pounds, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Ronnie Coleman's the dude, man. I, yeah. I, I have so much respect for him. He, I watched a documentary about him recently and seeing the shape he's in now, it's, it's crazy. It's rough to watch because, I mean, I was there watching those videos of him, you know, squatting 800 pounds. That's, <laughs> that's how I grew up, you know, in the oh, weight room. Baby. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's those memes that say like, I can hear this picture and it's true. You know, I, you can, we all can. Um, but I think he really cares about doing right by the people that want to do this stuff long-term. And so his supplements are a reflection of that. Yeah. And I, my wife hates it. Cause I, you know, it's, you know, 50 bucks for five pounds but i'm like it's not bad you know, yeah it's not bad it's not the worst that i've i've paid for for a supplement but Definitely i not. think for a quality supplement that you're not going to have extra fillers on and you're going to get what you're going to get 90 percent of what you want out of that supplement you're going to have to spend a good chunk of change because you know it, it's just the nature of the beast yeah well i mean this isn't the same conversation we're having, but I feel like it's kind of naturally progressing towards this. Like, let's just talk about the things we choose to invest in. Like, and we can say we can choose to like spend money on stuff, but I hate that term because spend has this idea that it doesn't bring anything new to your life. It doesn't bring any value. So let's talk about the things you invest in. If you invest in protein powder, that means you're getting a value back for it. You're having a meal replacement. You're building some muscle based on that extra protein coming in. If you spend money on protein powder, that would be the equivalent of buying like the generic Walmart brand. Your body's not going to absorb it. It's going to have more carbs and fat than it has protein. It's just not good. So you spent money. You're investing when you buy a good supplement. I like, I like how that's, worded it yeah i talk to people about this stuff all the time man people the thing that i think is interesting is people that struggle to reach their goals struggle to stick to a plan if you ask them hey have you considered having a coach i'm a fitness coach you ask them have you considered having a coach eh, i don't want to spend the money on it okay that's fine how else are you going to invest in this new lifestyle of yours? How are you going to invest in it in a way that holds you to it? And most people don't. They'll go spend money 
at the bar on Friday night. They'll go spend money on Snickers and Oreos and whatever else. But when it comes to investing in guidance to help them on this path for the long term, they're like, oh, no, I can't spend that money. It's like, well, I just hate it for you. It's a mental shift people have to make. Right. And I can't make it for them. I I agree with that. Um, also my wife get a priority. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My my wife's a track and field coach down here in Kansas, and the the things that her kids say just blow my mind because they're like, "Well, I'm on a food waiver, and I can eat as much food as I want whenever I want. I just got to go to the cafeteria and get it, but I don't want to." And I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" I would have the best diet in the world. Like, <laughs> just walk up. I want that, 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 that. Put it on the plate. Bye. Yeah. And, you know, they're they're young kids, but they, my wife gave them, you know, a challenge. Like, you know, let's try to eat a little better. You know, let's, let, let's see if we can change something. And they're like, well, you say you shouldn't eat chocolate. Well, yeah, it's <laughs> kind of bad for you. But I love it. So do I, but... You know, like there, there's a lot of bad stuff for you, but there's a lot of stuff you can replace it. That's good. There's a, there's a little interesting fact that I'll, I'll just kind of touch on when it comes to children's nutrition. You have to take into account their developmental stage that they're at. So, and I'm talking about brain development, really. Um, brain development is interesting. So I started my foray into adulthood and studying psychology. Um, and when you look at how people's brains change over the years, as a kid, you're spending the majority of your time just trying to do things that make you feel good. You don't care about tomorrow. You don't actually, it's not even that you don't care about tomorrow. It's that you don't have a concept of tomorrow that today something happens and it changes what happens tomorrow. You don't have that. So when you tell a kid, hey, don't eat chocolate because it's bad for you. Well, how's it bad for me? Well, give it a couple of years and you'll figure it out. Well, a couple of years isn't now. And they can't even fathom that in two years, eating chocolate did something to them that didn't show up until two years later. Um, so that's that's one thing with kids. So when I think of kids stuff, you have to, it's like being a good parent, man. And we all three can attest to this. The best way to teach your kid is by example. Facts, no better facts than that. Your kids are going to learn by example because they see that as the way to move forward in life. So if as a parent, you're like, oh man, today was a tough day at work. And so you walk in, you crack open a beer. Well, guess what you just taught your kid? And there's a tough day at work, it's time to drink some beer. And that's not always a good lesson. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's just a simple example because I feel like a lot of people have that habit. But it's it could be the same thing with ice cream. It could be the same thing with cookies. Had a tough day, sit down, munch on some stuff. The kid's going to figure out, oh, that helps me deal with stress. Even if they don't see it that way. So you have to figure out how to display to them that it's worthwhile right now. So an easy way <laughs> is if a kid says, hey, I want to have a candy bar. Cool. 
You can have a candy bar. Enjoy that candy bar. Then go run a half mile immediately. You don't get to like eat the candy bar and chill out. Eat the candy bar and go run immediately. Then tell me how you feel. It's not good. 100% of the time. It's not going to feel good. Um, And that's just one very crude example. But there's tons of ways to do that kind of thing. But you're right. I mean, I grew up fat, man. I I don't know how much I've told you all that. But like, I was fat until I was 15. And at 15, I was like a little overweight. And at 16, I got very dedicated to my fitness. And by 18, I was not in the best shape of my life because I think I'm there now. But at the time, it was pretty phenomenal. Um, Being a fat kid... I've had this realization over the last year, really. I had no idea that the food I ate made me fat. I didn't know. And that's embarrassing to admit. I had no idea that those two were correlated. I thought some people are fat and some people are not. Well, I think the other thing is, um, I'll bring it back to school, you know, you know, you're, you're learning, you know, you're, you're not, how do I, how do I frame this? Um, educational wise in your brain, you haven't learned that, Hey, you know, these things together are great, but if you have too much of this thing with the rest of these things, this overweighs the good here. I mean, like I like a big ass steak and a good chunk of fat in it. Well, I'm dumb because I like to cook it right to where you can eat the fat. And my wife's like, why do you do that? Because it tastes good. You know, that now overtakes all the vegetables I ate. And um, I think the, the understanding of the good to the bad and the bad can, and most of the time does outweigh all of the good in your foods. Yeah. So to speak to that just a a bit, how easy is it to eat 300 calories worth of Kit Kats? It's like two packs, so pretty easy. It's pretty easy, right? But how easy is it to eat 300 calories of broccoli? Oh, yeah. That'd be difficult. It'd be almost impossible. Yeah. You'd get sick, you know, before you'd get sick at like the 100 calorie mark, honestly broccoli's right. not that many calories uh, right. so when you say yeah it's easy to overdo it it's extremely easy to overdo it the high calorie stuff is it's like this big and it's a bunch of calories so an interesting thing i had to learn and i don't know how many people think about it this way but i always thought okay if i eat pizza that's a bad food choice but if later i eat broccoli that's a good food choice So on the whole, I'm doing pretty good, but that's a terrible, that's wrong. That's completely wrong Uh, because it's not, it's not food choice. It's the total, it's the totality of your day. So while yes, if all I ate was a couple slices of pizza and then the rest of my day was nice fruits and vegetables and all that, that's going to be good. What if the majority, like 80% of my food is pizza, sandwiches, cookies, And then 10% of my food is like a good, like high protein meat and some veggies. That 90% 
I mean, <laughs> I don't think it takes a mass genius to figure out the 90% is what makes my diet, not the 10. And that's what people do. Um, I saw a meme that said something along the same lines. It was like, man, why can they eat pizza and look good? And all I do is eat healthy and I look fat. And you look at their schedule for the week of what they ate. And it's like Monday was pizza. Tuesday was salad. Wednesday was pizza. You know, it was like every other day, pizza, salad, pizza, salad. And this person who they're saying only eats pizza, you look at their week and it's like Monday through Friday, salad, healthy, quote unquote, Saturday, pizza, Sunday, salad again. All they share is the pizza because who wants to talk about salad and broccoli and nobody. <laughs> Everybody wants to say, look how good this freaking pizza is. Oh, and look, I have abs too. Like that's what we like to show because it gets attention. But yeah, so that's another kind of shift there. So I had a comment and then a question. I like yeah. that you brought up uh, child development because um, that's where my formal education background is in. Okay. But, uh, you shared a video just the other, I think it was yesterday, and you were doing push-ups and your daughter walks up and was like, hey, you need water. Yeah. It's a water bottle in your face. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I loved it because um, not only, I mean, like, I hate these cliches, the sayings, but like, you never know who's watching. And yeah. kids pick up on a lot more than we tend to think that they do. Yeah. I've, I've caught my daughters and my, my sons saying stuff uh, periodically when I'm like, like you saw that? Like, you heard that? Whoops. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So, like, we, we definitely have to be careful and, and set an example for them. But uh, my question was, um, what started you into the industry that you're in now as far as coaching? So I, I knew that you were overweight as a child and got into trying to better yourself physically. Yeah. So starting into coaching, very interesting. Um, I learn a lot by teaching. So I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. I learn like the highest level of learning in my mind is teaching other people what you've already learned, because you'll figure out how to articulate what it is that you've done in a new way. And it even opens your mind up to understand it better. It's a really cool process. Um, so I think I'm naturally drawn to the aspect of teaching. I love helping other people figure out how to do the things I've done that have created some level of success, happiness, joy, whatever in my life. Um, so for a long time, the only value I had to other people was fitness. It's all I had. I looked at my life. I was like, how can I help people? I can help them get in shape because I've done that. I know what it's like. I know how hard it is. And I would go to the gym and I would see trainers and I'm not ever wanting to pick on anybody individually, but personal training, fitness coaching, whatever, there is a low ceiling or a low barrier to entry. You don't have to have a ton of knowledge to call yourself a trainer, to call yourself a coach. All you have to do is say, Hey, I'm a personal trainer now at least in the state of Kentucky, you don't have to even be certified. Um, so maybe else, I know elsewhere that's different, but here in Kentucky, you just walk in and if you convince people that you're a trainer, 
you can train them. Um, and I noticed there's a lot of misinformation going on. And there were a lot of people who wanted to do better. And the training quality wasn't there for them to learn. So naturally, I took on a position with people that I worked out with of being their trainer, of helping them here, there, whatever. And then I saw, well, hey, people make money doing this. So I should, I should try to make some money doing it. And it was the worst decision I could have ever made. Uh, there's no money in personal training, just so y'all know. Uh, it's, it's terrible. Yeah. You, company doing it. Yeah. Listen, it's, if you personal train people one-on-one -on -one in person, the reason you do it is because you love it. You don't do it for the money. Um, and that's great. Right. I think there's a there's a place for passion. However, killing yourself for other people's lives and not having your own meaning, like not making enough money to get by. It's not it's not viable for anybody. Um, so anyways, long story short, I had the skill set of helping people, but I needed to make money. Took a job in furniture, um, selling furniture. I do OK selling stuff. I'm not terrible. Um, made a good living with that, but always kept getting drawn back to fitness. I'm like, how do I, how do I make this fitness thing the way I make money, you know, in a sustainable way? Um, and so then I was doing furniture sales by day, going to the gym at night and training people because I just loved it. Then I started working at a physical therapy clinic, which felt like, hey, I've found it. This is training but it's with a greater purpose. There's higher value. I'm getting paid more. Life's good. And it still wasn't what I wanted because I want, I want people to go beyond base health. And PT is like getting people to just baseline. If they want to get better, they go to the gym. Mm -hmm. So I was like, all right, I got to figure a way out of this. And I found um, a business mentor who Yes, I had to pay money to, to teach me how to start a business. Um, but I had a business coach who helped me figure out how to start my personal brand, which is Pursuit Fitness Academy, um, how to offer it in a way that gave people better results than they had gotten through in-person coaching to kind of scale what I do and uh, make a living off of it. Once I did that, all I did was marry those business skills with the previous experience of helping people lose weight already. So it was at that point, that's where Pursuit Fitness Academy came from. But the passion, the passion is derived from I lost weight. It changed my life. And that's not hyperbole. Like it changed my life. I was a timid, shy kid. I didn't know how to talk to people. I was super nervous all the time. I lost weight and the world felt like it opened up to me. And I wanted to give that to other people. I love it. That's a great story. I'm pretty fond of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the other thing is once you do lose weight, it's just it not only the world opens up, but it changes too. Like, yeah. it, it's a happier place because I can walk up a set of stairs and I'm not tired, you know? Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I just think um, – a lot of people that do start to lose weight, um, you know, that you just seem happier. And yeah. uh, I talked to a lady that 
it was losing weight and she's like i've never been this happy before and i went oh i bet you have she goes what and i go well when when did you start gaining weight she goes well when i got married i go so you're happy when you got married and then you got fat so what made you fat and she goes oh like depression and this and that i go so you're really happy right here change what happened here and the rest will come with and she's like oh my goodness yeah it's a light bulb moment when people see how good life can be because they're treating themselves better it's man it's it's a big deal and to give you an idea of sort of what you're saying about walking up the steps never had a problem with that i was always kind of stout because i mean i worked on farms and stuff but uh i was a seventh grader with acid reflux so like that i think speaks more than just the pounds on the scale i i mean i'd just be talking like if i'm talking here right now and i'd like burp up just straight acid and it burned and it sucked and it took me a while to understand that that's because i was just basically consuming poison all day long Um, so yeah i mean it legitimately makes every second of your day better when you're healthier Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> we, uh, my wife's going through kind of the same thing right now. She, she had acid reflux really bad as a kid, and then it went away and just recently came back. So, we're yeah. uh, we're working on that. I'm sure there are factors beyond being heavy. By the way, not saying everybody with acid reflux is like super overweight. I'm sure there's other biological stuff going on for me it was a hundred percent connected to being unhealthy a hundred percent i was gonna say something i totally just drew a blank (laughs) happens to me way more than i'd like to admit (laughs) like way more my kid started walking in and then realized i was still on the call so he have you uh y'all watch the office I tried. I really tried. I gave it a valiant attempt. I watched when I was on TV. I just can't watch it anymore. Yeah, I understand. I understand. I think, you know, Netflix did everybody a service by taking it off. But um, because I love it, I I do love it. But we all were a little too addicted, I think. Um, There's this episode to speak to this whole like forgetfulness thing. There's this episode where Michael is being asked what he's doing to make Uh, Dunder Mifflin Scranton so successful during hard times and he starts like the sentence that just keeps repeating itself over and over and he never ends it and it cuts to an interview and he's like sometimes when I'm saying stuff I'm just going and I'm making it up as I say it and then I don't even know where I'm going so I just keep going and it's like (laughs) that (laughs) I've had that happen so many times I'm halfway to a point I just forget what I was even trying to get to it happens more than I care to admit. That's why I got this fancy whiteboard that I haven't put up yet. Hey, whiteboards are legit, man. <laughs> I got mine right here. But uh, yeah, we we do ask one curated question on our show. I told you we don't have any, but I lied. Yeah. Uh, so, what is your personal definition of success? Man, it's interesting. Yeah, we bring up the hard ones last. Oh no. I think it's a great, it's a fantastic question. And when people say that, they usually mean it's hard to answer. Uh, And I, I think it is so hard to define success in a way that can 
resonate with everybody. But mm-hmm. if I were to define it at, at its core to me, it would be living by my values every single day. If I can do that, I'm successful. I like that a lot. That's good. It covers the bases, you know? Yeah. We can say money all day long, but why do we want money? We want to take care of our family. That's a value, you know? There's tons of other stuff. Being healthy, right? Like, why do I want to be healthy? Well, I want to be there for those that need me. That's a value. Um, so, yeah. I completely agree. It's it's It covers a lot of the spectrum. And it puts it in a way that lets your imagination fill in the, the uh, not the gaps, but the parts that are more applicable to you. And I'll never do it. That's another thing. Like, I'll never get it right every single day. <laughs> and that's okay. And just like success, like some days you're successful and some days you're not. Even Jeff Bezos, man, he's successful a lot but I guarantee you he has days where he feels like a failure and that's not cause he don't make enough money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, uh, Oh, what was I watching? Oh, I'm watching this stupid, um, girly show right now called firefly lane. Yeah. I've seen it advertised and I'm watching it cause it's got Catherine Heigl in it. And I, um, she lives here in Utah, which I think is interesting. That's cool. But um, she's she plays this super successful, in the words of many people. Um, she's famous, rich, all that good stuff. But she's like the most depressed person in the world because she's alone. She doesn't have even a pet. It's just her. And uh, she's got a friend that's like going through a divorce and can't connect with her teenage daughter and all this stuff and she's still a lot happier than the character that Catherine plays because she has everything else that that she thought she was missing so just just an example that money doesn't buy happiness it's it's not a good measure of success in my my opinion well to go back to where my answer started i think when you when you make all the money in the world, you have all the nice things, you drive the Bugatti, you do whatever, it's all cool. But if you don't feel fulfilled, if you don't feel happy, mm-hmm. if you don't wake up in a state of gratitude, which by the way, I journal every morning and gratitude's a part of that. I think it's important and everybody should do it. Um, if you don't wake up feeling like that, it's because you are betraying some value that you have. You have to be. And whether that's a value around relationships, because a lot of people, uh, you know, like her character in that show, she may have sacrificed a bunch of relationships that meant something to her in order to create that monetary success. You know, and if relationships mean something to you and you betray that value in order to get money, that's not success, that's just money. Uh, same thing, you know, if you have a value that you, you want to raise a family, but you choose not to because you're in on the pursuit of building a big business where you betrayed your own value, you may have built the business, but you're not happy. Mm -hmm. Anytime, anytime people are unfulfilled, there's some personal value that they've chosen to betray. And 
it's not always easy to figure out what that is. I mean, I listen, I struggle with it every day. I, I think about when I have bad days, you know, what value did I miss, you know, and every day you get a little better every day you adhere to your, your own personal set of beliefs better. Um, and as you go, you just wake up feeling better. And I still have sucky days, man. Everybody does. Like I just keep saying that because I think it's important. <laughs> Even if you live by your values, most of the time there's a day where you wake up and you just can't get it right. And that's okay. Yeah, I agree. Um, and mindset's a big part of that too. Uh, like I'm going to, I'm going to pick on my wife just a little bit yesterday. Um, I woke up and I was like, man, I'm, I'm craving <laughs> breakfast. And so, and she was in town already. So she went and picked up breakfast from Wendy's. So, um, we get, she gets home and what she had ordered wasn't in the bags. They gave her like the wrong order. So her day kind of started off a little iffy and then, um something else had happened where the store was out of something that she likes and she was just like man i'm having the worst day ever and nothing's going right and today just sucks and i was like you had two bad moments like the whole day doesn't suck yeah and she, it like kind of set her over the edge like just made her whole day just kind of rough until uh, later on when she was able to just like kind of let everything settle down and and so but moments don't define days no you just don't you can have multiple bad moments doesn't mean that your whole day has to be negative you, like right now i i got all this stuff i've got to do today and i'm having a flare-up on my stupid uh plantar fasciitis so I'm wearing a, a foot brace to help me be able to at least walk today. And I'm just yeah. going to push through it. You know, it doesn't mean that I've got to sit on the couch all day and play the pity me game because I'm having such a bad day because my foot flared up. No, my foot flared up. Good, good. You know, one, one bad thing doesn't, doesn't mean that I can't have a bad day. So. Yeah. Well, and I like, I mean, I think about self-talk a lot. <laughs> so self-talk something bad happens. You say, man, this day sucks. Well, guess what? Yeah, it does. And you just chose for it to mm -hmm. like you immediately chose it and people don't give enough credit to what they tell themselves about what's going on. You can have a bad moment, just like you're saying. And instead of saying, Oh man, today sucks. You can say, well, I wish that wouldn't have happened. And sure you're giving, all the respect in the world to the fact that life doesn't give you everything you want constantly. Yes, you felt bad. That's fine. Process that emotion, get over it. But you've still got another 23 hours, bro. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> just don't decide that those 23 suck because you stubbed your toe uh, <laughs> or whatever, you know? Right. Yeah. You know, like, go ahead. I, I was just going to say uh, the way that I say it in my head and, and I, I think a lot differently than a lot of people, but I'm just like, well, that happened. Now it's done and dealt with. hundred so percent. I like that. It's over. So do I want to keep dwelling on it? No. Do I want to make it drag out longer than it had to? No. Is it something I can change? If I can, I'll fix it. If not, 
whatever you know like it's if it's out of your control just let it go absolutely the other thing is uh one guy said well you should you know my day just sucks i'm like well why does it suck well i had this bad moment okay well there's 86,400 seconds in a day how many seconds do you have left there's 1440 minutes in a day how many minutes are bad how many more you got left and then that changes the reality from oh hey well maybe it was only 10 minutes that were bad even if it was four hours or bad you know it's it's not the day that's bad it's you allowing the day to continue to be bad your mind yeah so okay i'm gonna ask you something before i say this but eighty-six thousand four hundred. that's the number of seconds right i believe so yeah okay well if it's not then we'll just make it up and act like that's true because uh, <laughs> i have a point to make <laughs> let me do the math really quick hold on go ahead yeah eighty-six thousand four hundred seconds in 24 hours okay cool so eighty-six thousand four hundred seconds I, I heard somebody say it this way you had $86,400 in a bank account and somebody walked up or somebody got into that bank account and stole $300. Are you going to spend the rest of your day giving them $100 here, $100 there, $100 that, you know, everywhere throughout your day? Or are you just going to be like, Hey, you know what? 300 bucks. That's sucks, but is what it is. I still got 86,100 left. It's crazy. So it's the same thing, you know, Brad, if I was to steal 300 seconds of your day, maybe I say, Brad, you know what? I hate you, man. You're like the worst person in the world. And that doesn't feel good. You may not like that. But if you walk away from this conversation and the rest of your day, you're like, man, that Paul guy's stupid, man. He's, he's wrong. Like, and you're just thinking of how I'm dumb and how I'm the worst. It's like that number in that bank account just keeps going down and down and down. Whereas, hey, just let go of it you can give up that three hundred dollars and keep that eighty six thousand my my dad always says um you know you want to say that you run your life how come you're allowing one person to affect your entire day yeah yeah and we're talking about it from a personal relation standpoint but it's true even with stuff that has nothing to do with other people right Uh, stock traders deal with this a lot their stock goes down they lose money oh my gosh my day's ruined is it or did you just have a bad trading day because i'm pretty sure you just you just had a rough trading day but you still got a family you still got good food you're okay yeah i don't trade stocks by the way i need to just throw that out there i don't (laughs) i don't either well okay i do a little bit but i piddle with it for fun but i i don't I don't make yeah, I think it. I got a hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm trying to make some money with Tesla, but that's about it. I trade. <laughs> do you hey, do you enjoy it? No. So <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you should stop. <laughs> it's um it's one of those things I'm I'm doing just to kind of learn and experiment because in the public school system, you're not taught anything about stocks. You're not taught about True. loans. You're not taught taxes, nothing. And we're kind of just thrown out there to the wolves and they say, well, I'll figure it out. 
And that's why a lot of these kids go off and get credit cards and then screw their credit right when they turn 18 because they don't know anything. I know from experience. So I, uh, I put, I had a friend that started teaching me a couple of years about uh, a couple of years ago about crypto cryptocurrency. I'm trying to keep up with my brain. Sorry. Um, so I I put over like the course of a year maybe a thousand dollars into crypto, and I was like, well, that's kind of a long term thing. Stocks is a short term thing, so let's start playing in there. I've got a couple hundred in stocks, but. Um, I personally am learning that cryptocurrency is good for long-term, like I mentioned, and you buy it when it's low, let it sit, forget about it. With stocks, you have to sit there and watch it and watch it and watch it. And I'm not doing that. So if you, so if you are, (laughs) if you keep up with people who really do this stuff for a living before the market opens is the time they make their money. They sit down, they do all their research on the stocks they're going to trade for the day. They do that for three or four hours ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Then they wait for what they believe is going to happen to happen. They act, they make their money. Um, And that's an oversimplification of it, but that's kind of basically what it is. Um, I'll, I'll leave y'all with a fun little cryptocurrency story of my own. Um, 2017, good year for crypto, or at least December was, um, beginning of December, my birthday is December 4th. And on that day, I watched a documentary about Bitcoin. And uh, it really was a pretty dismal documentary. I mean, it made crypto seem evil. And all I did was see the opportunity. I was like, this, this is going to be big. Um, So over the course of the next two or three months, I spent, I put probably $3,000 into crypto. And uh, it didn't go well for me. We'll just say that it took up until like this past year for things to get even close to even on my buy-in. Um, now, do I think it's going to be good long-term? I do agree with you. I think within the next decade, it's going to be big. It's going to be a big thing. And I think also within the next decade, all these guys that are hitting you up in your Facebook DMs trying to get you to work with their brokerage are not going to be around. Yeah, those are annoying. And <laughs> they're the worst. They're literally the worst. <laughs> if, if you ever message anybody trying to sell them and you're not like you send them a friend request and then try to pitch them your garbage. <laughs> yeah. I've come up with this new plan. I'm going to the next person that does it. I'm going to immediately just ask for their email. That's it. Once I get their email, I'm going to send them an invoice on PayPal for 500 bucks. If they want an hour of my time, they can have it, but they're going to pay me for it. Yeah. There you go. Nobody's ever going to do that. Right. (laughs) Nobody's ever going to waste an hour of my time and give me 500 bucks to try to pitch me. I, Hey, (laughs) I love that, man. That's, that's a cool idea. I want to, instead of being rude, you know? Yeah. I've been, I've been really rude to a few of those, but, uh, I just think that that's like a really roundabout way to just get them to stop. Yeah. I was try. I tried to be really nice to somebody who did that to me. Um, We didn't talk about this at all, but I actually do business coaching on the side. Uh, It's not my primary income, but it's something. Um, This guy reached out, you know, blind selling me 
in the DMs. And I just told him, I was like, listen, you know, I get what you're doing. I'm sure some people buy from you this way, but I promise there's better business systems for how to get clients from social media. And I kind of gave him like a basic outline of what I would do instead. And when I tell you this man wrote me a 10 page dissertation on how much of an idiot I was, I'm not joking. I don't know if he had just been sitting around with hate or if he's gotten so many angry messages that I was just the person that it spilled out on. But man, I just, I felt bad for him. I was like, all right, enjoy all that money you're making, buddy. Because <laughs> I can tell you're happy. Sure. Yeah. Well, um, I think we're going to wrap this up. We're coming up close to an hour. So uh, I want to ask you where people can find you. So go ahead and plug best, your website and all that good stuff. The best place is going to be just finding my personal page on Facebook. I know that's like super just weird for most people, but Paul Dangerfield <laughs> is my name. You can find me on Facebook. It's not hard there. Are, I don't even know if there is any other Paul Dangerfield, honestly. Um, but that's the best place to find me. You can also look up Pursuit Fitness Academy in the Facebook groups page. Um, I don't have a website. And that's something I do different than most people. I don't have a website at all. I like to keep my clients as a uh, pretty tight knit group. I work hand in hand, so I keep a pretty solid limit. Uh, 15 people at the most is all I'll work with. Um, so contact me personally asking about stuff or just following the content that I share so you can get some value for free. Facebook's the best way to do it. Awesome. Cool. Cool. Well, listen guys, this is, uh, it's been fun. Yeah. It's been really good talking with you. Yeah. I appreciate you, uh, being willing to hop on and chit chat with us. For sure, man. Awesome. Well, uh, we will, I know I will definitely talk to you soon. Sounds yes, good. Well.